Well, hey guys, good to see ya. Um, glad you guys are made it out through the rain. I know it's been a crazy, super wet day, so excited that you are here. If you have not, if you've not met yet, my name is Jesse, and I have truly just been looking forward to tonight and getting to getting to do this. Have been thinking and praying about it um, for a couple weeks now. And um, throughout this, we're, we're going to have the verses behind us. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk tonight. So you got a little bit of a sneak preview earlier with the scripture reading. So if you have your Bible, you can use that, but it'll also be behind us. And tonight we are going to be focusing on this one question. And this question is this. How can we have faith and trust God in the middle of difficult and often painful circumstances? And that's a big question, and it's one that I have been thinking about recently and have thought about at many different points in my life, and I'm hoping that tonight you guys walk away with a little bit more understanding of what that the answer to that question is, of what that looks like, even though you may have not yet experienced that yet in your own life. Um, and when I think about this question, you know, painful, difficult experiences, like sometimes they last moments, sometimes they last decades, sometimes it's something that lasts our entire life and we, we don't see any, um, any resolution to whatever that painful or difficult thing may be. And so it's like, what, what do you do with that when you are met with those things? What do you do about it? And I think of all these different stories in the Bible where people faced difficult circumstances and like they, they, like I think of Abraham and Sarah who God promised them a child, right? And for years and years and years before they received that child, like there was barrenness, there was, there was no child and there was this wondering of God, okay, you promised me, you promised me a child, but I don't see that happening and this is hard. Or um, there's stories like Joseph, who his own family sold him into slavery. Y'all talked a lot about him last semester. And could you imagine living with that, knowing that your own family were just like, bye, see you later. Like that is such a hard thing. But yet when you look at Joseph at the end of his life, he still loved the Lord. He still said that the Lord was good and faithful and he trusted in him. And he held on to those truths of who's God's character is despite the things that he experienced his entire life. And so before we go into the book of Habakkuk, I want to start off with reading a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 through 9. And it says this, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You've probably heard that verse before. And in this verse, there's so much tension, right? Like it's not saying that there's not bad things happening, but it's, it's not saying either that like, even though, even though I'm afflicted in every way, I'm not crushed. Even though I'm perplexed, I'm not driven to despair. So there's this difficulty that's there, but it's not without that, it's not without hope. There's still hope in the middle of this difficulty, right? And so with that in mind, we're going to start off in chapter one of Habakkuk, um, it's either verse one or two, and I'm just going to read it. So to give you a little bit of context first, if you've never read the book of Habakkuk, it's in the Old Testament, he's one of the minor prophets, and 
he lives in Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel. So they've been split apart now. And what's a little bit different about Habakkuk in comparison to some of the other prophets is that rather than this being a book where he's talking to the people of Judah about delivering some message that God has given him to say to them, this whole book is a conversation between God and Habakkuk. So that being said, verse one, it says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. I don't know about you guys, but like I get stuck right on the very first line of this because it is so relatable to me in the way that he says, how long shall I cry for help? Like to me, that's saying that this isn't the first time that Habakkuk has had this conversation with the Lord. Like he's come several times to the Lord and he's like, how long shall I come to you and keep talking about the same thing over and over again before you do something about it? Like, I'm talking to you, God, so I'm waiting. What are you going to do? And he is talking to God about the people of Judah. He's saying, all of them are just doing all these terrible things, Lord, and like, I need you to pay attention. I need you to see what they're doing and, and do something about it, right? And he's not hearing anything. But then we get to verse 5, and this is where we, we have God's reply to Habakkuk. So we're going to read verses 5 through 11. It says, God is saying, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. So God is answering Habakkuk and saying, I see what the people are doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send these people called the Babylonians, and they're going to come take all the people in Judah captive. And, you know, that's what's going to happen. And then he goes on to describe the Babylonians, and they just, they sound terrible. Like, they laugh at kings, they laugh at rulers. And like that last line in verse 11 says, then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Like they're not, they're not answering to any God. Like they're just running around, taking over nations, feeling super strong, super powerful, and doing a lot of really, really bad things. And so we're not gonna read this part, but in the next couple of verses, Habakkuk replies to God and he's like, what? Are you kidding me? He's like, okay, God, like I, I know that Judah was a problem. I know that we needed to do something about that, 
But the Babylonians are way worse than all the people in Judah. Like that just doesn't make any sense. And I, I don't understand how that's your solution to this problem. Like they're so evil. How are you going to let them reign? Like I, I, I don't get it, God. And in this moment, what I, I love about what's, what's coming next, we're going to go to chapter 2, verse 1. Is Habakkuk, he hears what God wants to do, and then he, he tells God, I don't really like that idea. That doesn't sound great. That's not good. And then Habakkuk says, chapter 2, verse 1, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you've been praying for something and you get this reply from God and you don't like it. And it's just kind of like, okay, God, clearly you don't know what you're doing. So I think I'm going to go figure this out now. I think I've got the better solution. So it was good talking to you, but I'm going to go do something else now. And I think Habakkuk could have so easily done that in this situation of just like, I'm going to go talk to the people of Judah. Like, it's okay. We're good. But instead, he waits. He's like, this is, me and God are talking. I told him the problem. He told me a solution. I told him I don't, I don't like his solution. And I'm just going to wait for the Lord to meet me here and, and tell me, why is he doing it this way? Can he, can he explain? Can he help me to understand what, what's the plan here? Because I don't get it. So then chapter 2 verse two through three, we get the Lord's reply to Habakkuk. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. And then the rest of this book is the rest of, or the rest of this chapter is the Lord's reply. And he starts listing what's called the woes. And it's just this list of even more of a description than what we got earlier of all the ways that the Babylonians are just terrible and the things that they do, but also how the evil things that they do will ultimately lead to their downfall. It will lead to their destruction. And so God says to him, you don't have to worry. Like, I know that they're evil, but I can use evil kingdoms to bring about what, I've, what I need to do. And they're, they're not going to flourish forever. Like, I'm going to wipe it away. They'll be gone. And, like, it'll be okay. And he also helps Habakkuk to understand that every kingdom eventually becomes just like Babylon. And the Lord's like, I'm so much bigger than that. Like, I know, I know where these kingdoms are going. I know what they're going to do. But like, in the end, they're not going to win. Like, that's, that's the full picture here. And so I just picture Habakkuk taking that in, thinking about it for a second. He's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I got it. And then we pick up in chapter 3, verse 2. And Habakkuk says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So what he's saying here is, okay, God, I get that at some point these kingdoms are going to fall, 
But in the meantime, like in my day, in my time, can I see something good happen? While I'm alive and I'm seeing, seeing what's gonna happen, can I see you do good? Can I experience and see your faithfulness now rather than hundreds of years from now? And he starts, he starts off this chapter with that. He's like, okay, I hear you, God. Can I see your goodness now? But then goes on for the rest of this chapter to describe God's future plan for the ultimate defeat of evil. It's a, it's a poem that he writes of just like describing that he understands and he gets that God's plan is so much bigger than his present circumstances of knowing that the home in which he lives in is going to be totally different. That the home where he's at is going to be taken over by, by people, that they're going to be taken into captivity, and that even though the present circumstance is terrible, that the Lord promised and said that that's not it, that's not the end. And there's a whole verse, um, and I'm not gonna read this one, but you can go read it for yourself later if you want, later in chapter three, where Habakkuk acknowledges knowing that God will save his people. And that's such a beautiful thing. God promises he will save his people. So then the end of chapter three, verse 16, Habakkuk says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. So it says his legs are trembling. His lip is quivering, knowing that these people are coming. But he's like, I'm gonna quietly wait for the day that the Lord is gonna show up and he's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. Because I can trust him. I can trust him that the day of trouble will come upon the people who invade us. Y'all, can I just say, I, I have related so much these past few weeks to the book of Habakkuk and this conversation that Habakkuk has had with God of bringing to him a problem and, and talking with him through it of just like, what is going on here? Um, a few weeks ago, I, I got a phone call that my dad had had a stroke and I was in such a state of shock that I literally went back into the restaurant that I was eating at and where I was having like a work meeting and just continued on with my work meeting, like literally nothing had happened. And my family lives in Texas, so I, I just didn't think I was gonna be going back and didn't just wasn't comprehending that this was just a serious moment that I needed to be there with my family for. And a friend got me on a plane and the next six to eight hours, me and the Lord, we just talked. And I, the people on the plane probably thought I was crazy because I'm just sitting in the, there in my chair, just shamelessly just crying and inwardly wrestling with the Lord in my head and in my heart of like, what is going on? And I, just being completely honest, like I had packed, packed a black dress thinking like, this is it, this is the end, like saying goodbyes, maybe not even getting to say goodbye. And sitting on that plane, I pleaded with God to save my dad's life. And the thing, the thing that I was thinking at in this moment was like, God, like I have just recently seen so much good in my dad's life. Um, in, in our relationship that I had longed for for such a long time. And 
So then I said to him, I'm like, God, this just doesn't make sense. How could there be so much good happening? And then this happens right in the middle of all of this good. And, and then I said, what if, what if my dad doesn't know that I love him and I don't get the chance to tell him? And then God reminded me of a phone call that we had a few weeks ago, right before he had this stroke, where my dad literally called to tell me not only how much he loved me, but read me a list of all the reasons why he knew that I loved him. And then I, I just took a breath. I felt like my heart just sighed. I'm like, okay, God, like, I hear you. Um, my heart rested just for a moment knowing that if this is it, me and my dad were good. And he knows that I love him. But then just as my heart rested, it suddenly sunk again, just thinking of all of the family um, members in my life that just, they haven't found that peace in their relationship with my dad. And I felt sad thinking that he wouldn't get the chance to be remembered differently. And then the Lord replied again, reminding me that just in the same way the Lord loves me, and walks with me through my hurt and unreconciled relationships, whatever that looks like, he can do the same thing with those people. He showed me that I don't have to have the resolution all figured out, but that I can trust that no matter the outcome, whether my dad lives or dies, the Lord will finish a good work in my dad and the people around him. My dad is still in the hospital and I'm praying every day that he is completely healed and we've been seeing such good things. Yet I can say that in this moment, in this plane ride, before I even got off the plane, I felt such a perfect peace inside that God will be faithful no matter what happens, even if the worst possible thing happens, that God's gonna work it out. And the verse I shared at the beginning has really just felt so alive to me the last few weeks. So I wanna read it again before we wrap up the book of Habakkuk. So 2 Corinthians 4, eight through nine. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Y'all, my family has felt all of this, yet there, like I said before, there has been such a peace that has settled in between all the doubts or moments of fear that have tried to overcome. I've asked God my questions and I've wrestled with my deepest fears and grief. And the Lord has been so kind to respond to me in a way that has just strengthened my faith. And even if my dad isn't what he was before, even if he takes his last breath, God is still good and faithful, and he will walk with me through whatever questions and pain I have in the process. So picking up in chapter three, verse 17 through 19, you heard this earlier, and these three verses just describe where the place that my heart has been planted in, in just in the Lord. Um, so starting off verse 17, says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. 
He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. So that whole first part in verse 17, like Habakkuk is like, everything might be terrible. Everything that we've built up, all of our fields, our homes, all of it might be totally dissipated, totally gone. But yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Like at the end of this, Habakkuk is completely planted in the Lord's character and knowing that Habakkuk has no control over his present circumstances. And that's a hard place to be in sometimes, not knowing what comes next, not knowing what to do. But you know what? God, he's outside of all of that, right? He sees all of it. He knows all of it. So who better to trust in the middle of our hard and difficult circumstances than the Lord? And what I'm hoping that you're hearing from all of this is that this is a conversation, that when you face difficult things in your life, you don't have to pretend that they're not there. You don't have to ignore it and act like it's not happening, but that the Lord wants to walk with you in those things. He knows that life is hard. Like he said it, there's gonna be trouble in this world. And so he doesn't want us to walk around with smiles on our face all the time being like, yep, everything's great, I'm good. Cause sometimes we're not. And so when you feel that, and maybe you feel that right now, maybe there's a doubt in your heart or in your mind, or there's something you're experiencing in your family or in your friendships that is just really hard. And you're like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know if this is ever gonna get better, but yet here I am, this is where I'm at. And so if that is where you're at and you haven't gotten yet to start that conversation with the Lord, I, I encourage you to do so and wait for him. Don't just, don't just bring it to him and walk away, like sit at his feet and wait for him to respond. And if you don't like the answer, I hope that Habakkuk has encouraged you that you can, you can say that. You can say, God, I don't really like that answer and keep talking with him about it. And I think that a lot of what talking to the Lord in circumstances like this looks like just opening your hands in surrender and kind of turning that verse around from Corinthians and saying, Lord, this is a lot. I feel like I'm going to be crushed. I feel like I'm going to despair. I feel like I am abandoned. I feel like I have been struck down. So I need you to show me what is true. I need you to remind me of your goodness, your faithfulness and your plan to restore everything because I don't see it right now. You can say all of those things to him and he wants you to. And ultimately guys, I just hope that you leave tonight knowing that the Lord can handle your questions. He really, he truly can, every single one of them. And outside of the Lord, like I hope that you have community around you that you can, you can process those questions with and, and bring those doubts to and just be like, hey, like I'm just really struggling with having faith right now. Can, can you encourage me a little bit? Cause I need some encouragement right now. Sometimes we need our friends to hold our arms up for us when we just can't. And that's why praying for one another is, is huge. And so, like we do every week, um, if you have never been here before, we like to just have a time of corporate prayer. And so um, over the next few minutes, that's what we're gonna be doing. And so you can get into groups of a couple, you know, three or four, like you usually do. But also if you want to use this time to just sit by yourself and to start that conversation with the Lord, you can do that.
Um, so I'm going to pray, and y'all have about eight minutes, and then Dr. Weeks will come back up for some communion. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness and the ways that you are just so faithful to us in every part of our life, in the ways that you see us and you know us and you care for us, God. Um, I just ask that in, in whatever things the people in this room are dealing with, God, whatever they're carrying in their hearts and their minds, God, I hope that they're able to just lay them at your feet tonight and knowing that you're in the middle of all of it. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.